This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Silver and Black Flashback with your host, author of the Raiders Encyclopedia, Rich Schmelter. Murph, as always, thanks so much, my friend. And thank you, Raider Nation, for once again tuning in to Silver and Black Flashback, dedicated to our beloved bad boys. Now, whether your passion lies with the Oakland Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, we are one nation under Silver and Black and are the greatest fan base in the world. And I am so proud to be a part of this incredible show and incredible nation. All right, my fellow silver and black backers. On the last episode, we left off at the midway part of that Raiders 1980 Super Bowl season. So why not continue on with this amazing run at the World Championship of Professional Football and cover the second half of the season? The second half of the 1980 season began for the Raiders on November 2nd at home against the Miami Dolphins. And Jim Plunkett was once again on top of his game and continued to silence his critics. Against the Dolphins, Plunkett led Oakland to their fourth consecutive victory by throwing for two touchdowns in a 16-10 victory. This proved to be the sixth straight time that the Raiders beat Miami on the West Coast during the regular season. And hey, if you are adding in the playoffs, throw in the classic Sea of Hands game from 1974 to make it seven straight. And it wasn't until 1988 that the Miami Dolphins finally beat the Raiders on the West Coast. And getting back to this 1980 win over Miami, Raymond Chester opened the scoring with a 13-yard reception, and Bob Chandler sealed the win with a 17-yard touchdown grab. Chris Barr added a 48-yard field goal to Oakland's total. The Raiders scored all their points in the first half and then turned things over to their outstanding defense. And this defensive unit did a tremendous job, allowing only 10 first downs and 166 total yards and intercepted three passes. Under the guidance of assistant coach Charlie Sumner, this defensive unit sure knew how to put pressure on an offense. It was made up mainly of players that were castoffs from other places, coupled with some incredible players taken through the college draft, such as linebackers Rod Martin and Matt Millen, nose tackle Reggie Kinlaw, and cornerback Lester Hayes. The great linebacker and team good time guy Ted Kickham Hendricks had possibly his best season as a pro, and Lester Hayes was well on his way to having one of the greatest seasons ever enjoyed by a defensive back, and big badass John Tuzmatuzak provided the unit with an incredible combination of run-stopping ability and power rushing from his left defensive end position. Yes, Our 6-3 Raiders were definitely hitting on all cylinders at this point and were still tied for first place with San Diego. Week 10 on November 9th once again saw the Raiders play at home for the third straight time. And since taking over as starting quarterback, Jim Plunkett did not know what it was like to lose in 1980. And against the Cincinnati Bengals, he continued on with that good fortune thanks to a 28-17 victory. 
Plunkett completed 19 of 26 pass attempts for 245 yards and even ran for a four-yard touchdown. Mark Van Egan ran for a two-yard touchdown, and Kenny King took one in from eight yards out. Arthur Whittington sparked the home crowd with a fantastic 90-yard kickoff return to round out Oakland's scoring. And with their fifth straight win, the Raiders were 7-3 and and now in sole possession of first place following a loss by the San Diego Chargers. Week 11 saw the Raiders back on the road for a Monday night game against the Seattle Seahawks on November 17th. The Monday night football magic that our Raiders enjoyed so much in the telecast's first 10 years was amazing. And that magic continued to work for the Raiders as they made it six straight wins with a 19-17 victory over Seattle and improved to 8-3. And, and by the way, folks, this win streak all started after the great offensive lineman duo of Gene Upshaw and Art Shell held that players-only meeting after the Raiders fell to 2-3. and three. Not only were Upshaw and Shell two of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play professional football, but they were also incredible team leaders. However, things did look bleak for Oakland going into the second half of this game. They were unable to move the ball and trailed 14 to nothing midway through the third quarter. But they finally got a good drive together, going 81 yards in six plays, and capped it off with a 10-yard touchdown run from Arthur Whittington. The Raiders scored every which way that a team could in the fourth quarter to ring up their eighth straight win of the year. First, Ted Hendricks blocked a punt out of the end zone for a safety. Oakland then closed to within one point on a one-yard run by Mark Van Egan. And Chris Barr then kicked a 28-yard field goal for the go-ahead points with less than one minute remaining in the game. And this marked the first time in this series with the Seahawks that the Raiders beat them in Seattle after two failed attempts in 1978 and 1979. Week 12 rolled around on November 23rd with the Raiders on the road in Philadelphia. By now, our Raiders were riding a hot streak, but so were the Philadelphia Eagles, as they were winners in 10 of their previous 11 games. This game proved to be a defensive struggle in the city of brotherly love, and the Eagles just barely got by the Raiders by a 10-7 margin of victory. The Raiders held a 7-3 fourth-quarter lead on an 86-yard pass from Jim Plunkett to Cliff Branch. And this was a tough, physical game, especially on Plunkett, who only completed 10 out of his 36 pass attempts. He was intercepted twice and sacked eight times. Plunkett also suffered an injury to his left shoulder, but the tough offensive leader remained in the game. That injury bothered him for the rest of the year. But with the help of pain-killing injections, he was able to continue playing. Philadelphia's big break came when running back Leroy Harris caught a pass and went 42 yards. Harris's catch and run led to Wilbert Montgomery's three-yard touchdown run with three minutes left to play. This loss put the Raiders back into a first-place tie with San Diego. And this was the first time the Eagles ever beat the Raiders. In two previous meetings, the Raiders mauled Philadelphia 34-10 in 1971, and 26-7 in 1976. And on the first day of December, the Raiders were back at home for their 13th game of the season. And guess what, folks? It was on a Monday night. Ah, yes, you could almost smell the sweet scent of victory even before this one started. For the third time during this season, 
the Raiders played on a Monday night football telecast. They hosted a tough Denver Broncos team that came into Oakland riding a three-game winning streak and were only one game out of first place behind Oakland and San Diego. A large group of Oakland fans gathered prior to this game to protest what was going from rumor to reality regarding the Raiders moving to Los Angeles very soon. A huge percentage of the 54,563 in attendance did not enter the Oakland Coliseum until midway through the first quarter to show support to the protesters. Despite the turmoil brewing between owner Al Davis, Oakland City officials, the fans, and the apparent move, the Silver and Black managed to hang on without much offense to prevail 9-3. Jim Plunkett only connected on 9 of his 19 pass attempts for a mere 78 yards, but did score the game's only touchdown in an 8-yard run that erased a 3-0 Denver advantage in the third quarter. Chris Barr had an off night by missing a conversion kick and four field goal attempts. However, he was successful on a 44-yarder in the fourth quarter to complete the scoring. The win put the Raiders at 9-4 and four and kept them in a first-place tie with San Diego. It also gave our Raiders an amazing 16-1-1 record on Monday night. Week 14 had the Raiders at home for their final regular season home game of the 1980 season on December 7th. An interception by Aaron Mitchell in the end zone with one minute and 44 seconds remaining in the game clinched a 19-13 win for the Dallas Cowboys. And despite this loss, the Raiders were still in a first place tie with the San Diego Chargers who also dropped their game. This finished off the Raiders' home games for the regular season with a very successful 6-2 record. Once again suffering from offensive woes, the Raiders only produced one touchdown in a game for the third consecutive week. Oakland's only touchdown of the game came on their opening drive when Jim Plunkett connected with Raymond Chester from six yards out. Chris Barr added two field goals from 22 and 38 yards for Oakland's other points. A Week 15 game on December 14th saw Jim Plunkett ignite a stale Oakland offense by completing 13 of 21 pass attempts for 213 yards, and he teamed up with Bob Chandler for two touchdowns from 11 and 38 yards out in a 24-21 decision on the road in Denver. Defensive back Burgess Owens started the scoring off by intercepting a Craig Morton pass and returning it 58 yards for a touchdown. Chris Barr provided Oakland's other points with a 44-yard field goal. At 10-5, Oakland and San Diego were still deadlocked for the AFC Western Division lead with one week to go. And this marked the second straight time that the Raiders swept the season series from the Broncos. After a two-year absence, the Silver and Black assumed their rightful place in the postseason, this time as a wild-card representative. And they achieved this with an easy 33-17 victory on the road against the New York Giants on December 21st in the regular season finale. Jim Plunkett threw touchdown passes to Cliff Branch covering 31 yards and to Raymond Chester from 37 yards out. And once again, Jim Plunkett fell victim to an injury, this time to one of his knees. But he put on a knee brace and kept on going. Damn, that guy was tough as hell. Arthur Whittington ran for a 7-yard score. Derek Jensen returned an onside kickoff 33 yards for a touchdown. And Chris Barr nailed field goals from 42 and 38 yards away. 
Mark Van Egan did not score a touchdown, but he supplied the Oakland offense with a game-high 115 yards rushing. The Raiders finished at 11-5 along with San Diego. Now the Raiders and Chargers split their head-to-head meetings, so that could not decide the division champion. It was then determined that the AFC Western Division title would go to the Chargers on the basis that they had a higher point total against division foes. But you know what? It did not matter, Raider Nation, because our Raiders had secured a playoff spot after the so-called experts predicted they would finish last in the division. And when it came time to hand out honors by the league, there were many that found their way to the Raiders. Lester, the Judge Hayes, presided over the Raiders' secondary throughout most of the 1980s. And it was in this 1980 season that started him off on dishing out his brand of justice on all who tested him. He started in all 16 games, had a league-leading 13 interceptions, led the league with 273 yards gained on those interception returns, and he also had two fumble recoveries. Lester Hayes was selected as the Defensive Most Valuable Player of the Year by the Associated Press, Newspaper Enterprise Association, Pro Football Weekly, and United Press. He was also an easy selection to the All-Pro team as well as the All-AFC team. Linebacker Ted Hendricks was also selected All-Pro and All-AFC and was selected as the NFL Linebacker of the Year by Football Digest and punter Ray Guy received his seventh All-AFC honor. When it came time to vote for the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, that committee had a very easy decision. Without a doubt, standing alone at the top of that final ballot was Jim Plunkett, who guided the Raiders to a 9-2 record after taking over the starting quarterback job following Dan Pastorini's season-ending broken leg. He completed 165 out of 320 pass attempts for 2,299 yards and 18 touchdowns, and he also ran for two touchdowns. Before wrapping up this episode, I just want to send out a birthday wish to the greatest person I have ever met, my dear, adorable wife, Helen. My dear, we have shared a lot of laughs and tears together, but through it all, my love for you just continues to grow. I love you so much, my darling. And now, with the 1980 regular season all wrapped up and all the awards handed out, that meant one thing. It's ready for playoff time. And our Raiders were more than ready. All right, my fellow Raider backers, this wraps up part two of our journey through the 1980 season. I can't wait to get back together with each and every one of you for the remaining parts of this series that will cover the playoffs and then Super Bowl 15. And until that time arrives, here come those words I live by each and every day. Love you, Raider Nation! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. 
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.